Welcome back to Cool Art History. I am the Cool Art Historian, and if you haven't already, please go follow me on Instagram. That's where I'm trying to grow my audience, and that's where you'll get all your updates on this podcast. So this week, we're not going to be looking at any artistic movement or artist or anything like that. Instead, we are going to be looking at some folklore, specifically Celtic folklore, because it's almost October and my heart is just screaming Halloween. So for those of you who don't know, I am Scottish American, and when I say that, I don't mean that my great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather's uncle's sister's niece came from Scotland. I mean that my grandfather came from Scotland. So there's only like two generations of American influence. (laughs) So that means I grew up on a hearty diet of potatoes, along with Scottish mythology, folklore, and stories of the Fae. So it's only appropriate that we do a podcast on Samhain. Anyway, Samhain is traditionally a pagan religious festival originating from an ancient Celtic spiritual tradition, obviously. In modern times, Samhain is usually celebrated around October 30th to November 1st. And it's to welcome the harvest and usher in the dark half of the year, or like the winter, the sacred darkness of winter. So celebrants believe that the barrier or the veil between the physical world and the spiritual world break down and that allows an interaction between humans and the other world. If that sounds like the plot to Disney Pixar's Coco, then that's probably because Samhain and the Day of the Dead, which is celebrated in Mexico, are very, very similar. In fact, some of the traditions that my family practice might be some similar traditions that your family practice if you have Hispanic heritage. And even if you don't practice them directly, you might know somebody who does. But before we jump into folklore and tradition, let's talk about ancient Samhain. The ancient Celts marked Samhain as one of the most significant of four quarterly fire festivals. And it would take place at the midpoint between the fall equinox and the winter solstice. If you know anything about ancient religions, you probably have noticed a trend that a lot of their festivals and rites kind of fall on the calendar at the same time of time to harvest and time to plant. And that's because at its very basic elements, ancient religions believed that gods were in control of all things. So for example, obviously you need food to live. So you made an offering or a sacrifice to the god of the harvest, and you make a sacrifice and an offering to the god of the sun, because if the sun doesn't rise, plants don't grow and you die. Or you make an offering to the god of water, because if you don't get rain, then your plants don't grow and you die. Do you see the trend? A lot of ancient cultures and religions all over the world had these same gods just by different names. So, like, you can literally just go look at ancient Roman mythology, Greek mythology, Egyptian mythology. They all have the same kind of mythos. So, at its very core, Samhain is a festival or ritual in which the Celts would give thanks to the earth and to the gods for their bounty of that year. And also a way for them to kind of solidify the fact that they would have enough to get through the winter. If you've ever been to Scotland or Ireland or just generally in the UK, you know the winters can get pretty cold and very wet.
it. And it's just think, you know, a thousand years ago before there was any, I don't know, indoor heating. It was cold. So, of course, they needed, they needed some way to kind of reassure themselves that they would make it through the winter. So some of the traditions that the ancient Celts might have taken part in that are still alive today are things such as things such as a dumb supper. Um, I'm sure this isn't the term that is used regularly. I, I honestly find this term a bit offensive because, I don't know, some, calling something dumb just doesn't sit right with me. But this is something that my family would do too. So, I mean, if you find that your family does something similar, please find me and let's have a conversation about it because this is nerd food for me. So the tradition of the dumb supper, let's just call it supper, okay? The tradition of this supper would normally begin during the time of Samhain, after the harvest. And it normally, at least in my family, it would consist of foods that would be harvested during that time. So my grandparents did this every year around Halloween. My grandmother would get up in the morning. Um, we, we celebrated just technically one day, and that was October 31st. She would get up in the morning and she would clean the entire house in peppermint oil. I actually do that now too. Um, it just makes me think of home. I never knew why she would do it. She would like put peppermint oil in a lot of her cleaning supplies and she'd clean the entire house from top to bottom with peppermint oil. Then she would make start making this enormous dinner and it would consist of things like pumpkins, gourds, um, squash, meats, fresh fruit, vegetables, nuts, seeds, and dark breads. And these are all foods that would be harvested during this time traditionally. So we would have this dinner and she would always set the table and she would set an extra plate um, for the ancestors to join us, to eat with us. As a child, I never thought anything of that. Like I thought everybody did that. <laughs> um, as an adult now, and I'm talking about like Halloween traditions with other people, a lot of families apparently don't do that. Uh, so yeah, that's something my grandparents would do. And it was because they believed that, you know, it, at that time of the year, their family, their deceased family could come and visit. My grandmother also had a shelf that was kind of dedicated to her deceased family. It was on a bookshelf. And during that time of year, we would kind of leave gifts and trinkets to our ancestors, to our or to our deceased family. For example, she, her, her father loved cigars, so she would always put a cigar by her father's photo during Samhain. If this sounds like representations of Day of the Dead, it's because these two holidays, like I said, are extremely similar. So if you are Hispanic and you do something similar, please let me know. I want to know about your traditions during Samhain or Halloween or Day of the Dead because I think this stuff is so interesting. And like I said, I find it almost like baffling how transatlantically all these different cultures have a lot of the same traditions. So in Samhain and Celtic tradition, we also dress up. Um, we dress up as like traditionally, I believe they dress up as animals. People would disguise themselves so those negative entities couldn't find them. My grandfather kind of explained it this way. Say, your arch nemesis dies before you <laughs> and it's Samhain and you don't want him coming across the veil to cause any chaos in your life you dress up like something so he can't find you and I mean in a simple way that makes sense right 
So that's kind of also where the tradition of dressing up comes from for Halloween. There's also like lore in that the pumpkin carving. Um, traditionally, our ancestors would have carved gourds, but they were used to scare off evil entities at night. They would be left outside to scare off the entities. So a lot of these things that we celebrate today come from ancient Samhain traditions. Of course, we can't talk about traditional pagan Samhain without having to talk about the Catholic Church. So, of course, as Christianity gained a foothold in pagan communities, church leaders attempted to reframe Samhain as a Christian celebration. The first attempt of this was during the Pope Boniface. Boniface? I'm probably not saying that right. Pretty sure it's French. I don't speak French. I'm sorry. Anyway, this was in the 5th century. So the Pope moved the celebration to May 13th and specified it as a day for celebrating saints and martyrs. However, the fire festivals in October and November didn't stop with that decree. And in the 9th century, Pope Gregory moved the celebration back to the time of the fire festivals, but declared it as All Saints Day on November 1st, and All Souls Day would follow that on November 2nd. So if you are Catholic or you follow the Catholic calendar, you probably know All Saints Day and All Souls Day. They just kind of took Celtic holidays and made them Christian. <laughs> but thank God that neither of those decrees did away with the celebration that occurred on October 31st, which later became known as All Hallows Eve or Halloween, and continued to consist of much of the same traditional pagan practices before it was adopted in 19th century America through Irish immigration, which brought over those traditions. Trick-or-treating is said to have been derived from ancient Irish and Scottish practices in the nights leading up to Samhain. In Ireland, mumming was the practice of putting on costumes, going door-to-door, -door, and singing songs to the dead, and cakes were given as payment. Halloween pranks also have a tradition in Samhain, though in the ancient celebration, tricks were typically blamed on the fae. Which brings me to my favorite part of Scottish, Irish, Celtic folklore, the Fae. I could literally do an entire series of podcasts on the Fae because there are so many different types and there's so much folklore. So what's the best way to really describe the Fae to people who are not from Celtic heritage? If you're at all familiar with the Islamic idea of jinn, that might be a really good starting place because I actually have a theory that the Fae and the Jinn are the same, and here's why. So in Islamic tradition, the Jinn live in the same universe, but in like a parallel to ours, and they there are many different type of Jinn, right? There's forest Jinn, sea Jinn, darkness Jinn, light Jinn. They live in communities, they have families, all of that. Same thing with the Fae. There's Water Fae, there's Forest Fae, there's Home Fae, there's Hearth Fae, there's Good Fae, there's Bad Fae. Okay, actually, there's not Good and Bad Fae. Um, the tradition of Light and Dark is very Christian, and that's something I kind of want to clarify before I continue. So there's like two main categories of the Fae. There's the Seely and the Unseely. And a lot of people believe that the Seely are good and the Unseely are bad, and that's, that's not correct. 
the Sealy just happen to live in communities that have rules and laws and governance. The Unseely do not. The Unseely are just wild and chaotic. However, just because the Sealy have laws do not mean that they kind of line up with ours. And that's where a lot of the problems happen between the human world and the Fey world, because a human might accidentally insult the Fey. Not by, not on purpose, mind you, but because what is normal in our lives and our communities might be an insult to the Fae. So that's one reason why I have said from time to time, just don't fuck with the Fae. Um, also, I just want to clarify, I am speaking in folklore. However, I grew up on stories of the Fae, and even if I don't quote unquote believe in them, I have more fear in them. So I fear them too much not to believe in them. Does that make sense? Anyway, so let's talk about the Fae. Like I said, there are so many different types of Fae, so I'm only going to really like talk about two. Two types that kind of revolve around Samhain. So the first is called the Dolahan. Now just listen to the description, I'm sure you will have heard of this. So the Dolahan sometimes appears as an impish creature, sometimes as a headless man on a horse who carries their own head riding flame-eyed horses, and their appearance bring death to anyone who encounter them. If that doesn't sound like the legend of Sleepy Hollow and the Headless Horseman, my theory is that that right there was brought over from an Irish immigrant. There's there's no way it wasn't. That is literally the Dullahan. So, there's a Dullahan running around upstate New York, killing people. <laughs> anyway, the other one is called a puka. And the puka, they were given offerings during the harvest and they could bring either good or bad omens, and that's why they were given our offerings, because ancient Celts knew that they could bring goodness or badness, and sometimes they would appear as uh, a headless woman dressed in white, or they, they were shapeshifters, so they could come in human form, animal form. A lot of the time they had white, black, or gray hair, and sometimes they were accompanied by a black pig in some traditions. Don't know where that came from. but. Those are the two main Halloween fae. Please let me know if you would want me to do a series on fae, because I would love that, um, but I'm not going to waste my time if no one's really interested. So a broad revival of Samhain resembling its traditional pagan form began in the 1980s with the growing popularity of Wicca. Wicca celebrations of Samhain takes on many forms from the traditional fire ceremonies to traditions and celebrations that embrace many aspects of modern Halloween, as well as activities related to honoring nature or ancestors. Wiccans look at Samhain as the passing of the year and incorporate common Wiccan tradition into the celebration. In the Druid tradition, Samhain celebrates the dead with a festival on October 31st and usually features a bonfire and communication with the dead. American pagans often hold music and dance celebrations called witches' balls in proximity to Samhain. Pagans who embrace the Celtic traditions with the intent of reintroducing them faithfully into modern paganism are called Celtic Reconstructionists. In this tradition, Samhain is called... I'm sorry, I'm trying to read it in Gaelic. The Gaelic grammar rules are just very, very hard. So I'm going to go with Oya Samhana. Oya Sahana celebrates the mating between Duha di Danan and Unis, 
So we need to talk about the Tuatitanan. Those are the traditional Celtic gods. Um, we could literally go into Celtic folklore. That is another podcast, though, because, again, that's just so much information. Um, Celtic Reconstructionists celebrate by placing juniper decorations around their home and creating an altar for the dead where a feast is held in the honor of deceased loved ones. So I think that's a really good definition of Samhain and how it's kind of evolved into what we know today as Halloween. Please let me know if you have any traditions that you celebrate that are similar to this on or around Halloween. Um, Let me know if you liked the podcast and stay tuned for next week's. I have no idea what we're doing next week, but it could be anything from cross-dressing monks to the fae. So let's see. I'll see you guys later and uh, have a wonderful week.